1: Hello and welcome to the following on podcast from Talk Sport. We've got more exclusive audio for you today and also a chance to listen back to one of the lunchtime features from the fourth test match in Johannesburg. The limited overs leg getting underway on the 3rd of February. Talk Sport will have live reports from the two one day warm up matches which take place on the 31st of January and 1st of February. First time England's victorious World Cup team will be back in action and you can follow it all exclusively live on Talksport and talk sport 2 before that though let's listen back to an interview that took place following the close of play on uh, well what a wonderful day what a wonderful test it was and series at the wanderers uh, a man who made the south africa series a breakthrough one was ollie pope and he caught up with andrew mckenna
2: ollie a 3-1 series win away from home Every series is difficult, and then to come back from one nil as well—you've not had as much experience as some of the other members of the squad. But just put into words how that feels.
3: Yeah, it's it's a pretty special feeling. Um, I think to bounce back, to bounce back, like you said, from being one down and to win a series three-one, whether it's at home or away, um, is an amazing thing. And yeah, to do it to do it out here in South Africa, yeah, it's awesome. So many, so many special memories and so many special moments and uh, amazing moments that have happened over the course of the last three games that have all led up to this this feeling now.
2: Is there now, looking back on it, a moment that you think that was the turning point? Because to be honest from sort of the middle of the Cape Town game onwards, England were on a roll and they, they looked very difficult to start.
3: Yeah, I knew there's a weird point in my head. I knew, well, the Cape Town test when uh, Brodie was bowling and Rassie was batting nicely and we, had a, we didn't have anyone there and for one ball we put a leg slip in. And that ball went to leg slip. Jimmy caught it. And at that point, I knew we were going to win the game. Whatever happened, it was just one of those freak moments. And, um, and obviously, that changed the momentum of the series, that win there. And, uh, and luck, luckily, we went into Port Elizabeth with some uh, good momentum and carried it on there. And, yeah, I've taken it into this game here. And, yeah, it's awesome.
2: Runs is currency in Test match cricket. And England are now putting first innings runs on the board that's got to be the the marker going forward you've put the platform down, you've shown you can do it that makes Test Match Cricket I'm not going to say easier, but but it gives you that that space to work with, doesn't it?
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, we we spoke at the start of the New Zealand series and we said, look, if we're we're a Test side that we want to bat long and we want to we want to bat big. And we want to put 400 plus scores in that first innings on the board, and that's going to put teams under enough pressure to to hopefully buckle under it. Um, and luckily, we've found a bit of momentum with that and found a bit of form with the bat as a team, um, and we've been able to put those 400 plus scores in over the last over the, well the last two games and in, in the second dig. At Cape Town as well. We put a put a big score on there. So to to find a bit of consistency with that, I think's massive going forward, and it's a it's a real positive to take from the from the lads going going forward from now.
1: Ollie Pope chatting with Andrew McKenna there. Brilliant stuff from him. Um, a chance now though to listen back to a conversation that took place on day one during the lunch break just before play actually got uh, started Uh, it seems like a long time ago now but uh, Mark Butcher Neil Manthorpe and Lungani Zama sat down to talk about transformation
4: people perhaps uh, back home in the UK would have heard of quotas and would kind of put transformation um, in the uh, firmly in the subject of a selection policies by South African um, sporting boards uh, that are based around Colour um, and, uh, and and background, perhaps more than they are um, straight out talent. That's the the, the the basic way, I suppose, the the the, uh, the very unsubtle way in which we might understand these things back in the UK. Um, shed some light on it. Give us a give us a bit of an education as to as to what it really means and how important it is.
5: Well, thanks thanks, Mark, for having me. Firstly, um, I think in the in the broader sense, it's transforming the way that the team that's out there today looks and is more representative of us as a country that was the target of it and hundreds of millions as Graham Smith said the other day in in a briefing with the media hundreds of millions have been spent on development uh, trying to to bring about a lot more black options I suppose black African options in particular because uh, they've never really had access in the past or, or facilities even uh, to get the chance to to maybe go and make cricket a profession and ultimately go and play for South Africa because you know the the ideal is is, is to have a team that every South African can look at and, and and be you know equally proud of so that's I would say is the starting point of this but the implementation has been a lot more difficult um, and and obviously as we sit here there's still a, a section of South Africans who are complaining of the fact that there's only one black African on the field in 2020 when They've been going at transformation for the better part of two decades, at least. One thing I would say, Mark,
6: also is that you said it was um, peculiar to South African sport. Within the sphere of sport, it is peculiar to South African sport. But it's, but if we think of sport and sporting teams as a business, as an industry, um, then black economic empowerment has been part of the country for two decades. Um, so if we think of sport in that sense, and and of course. It is different because it, because it's not a regular business, but um, but but the parastatals, the SABC, for example, South African Airways, um, SCOM, all the major South African industries, and any large company over a certain size has to comply with black economic empowerment targets. Um, and so so in that sense, it's not pe- peculiar to to sport, but as I said, it's not just any old
4: business, is it? it well, it isn't, I suppose. And again, I, I can hear. I can hear people, perhaps, muttering, perhaps yelling at the radio. But it, 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 it's a, it's a sporting contest. You're supposed to, you know, you can't you can't sort of go out there and uh, and qualify to run in the hundred meters by virtue of the fact that your that your skin is a certain colour. You have to you have to make the time. Um, people would be saying in terms of cricket, if you're going to play as a batsman, you have, you have to average sort of better than you know. The, 90% of the of the rest of the people playing cricket in the domestic game. So there is a again, sport in itself throws up these these incredibly difficult questions in terms of when is when is empowering um, people, or when is uh, when is favouring favouring people for their for their background. When does that become sort of a, a reverse discrimination? Um, and and that's another thing that you you have had to fight incredibly hard against isn't it in terms of accusations of, of kind of overlooking people in terms of their talent for their background how, how do you deal with that
5: well it's you know it's a very very difficult situation to deal with I mean I, I played in the early stages of transformation a bit of first class cricket and I've sat in a dressing room where they've literally picked two teams the black list and then the white list and I mean to try and then combine these two divisions together on the field. It's incredible. I mean, you know, you, you even travel together, you, you you socialize together, but divided. And to then say that oh, we are all on the same we're all on the same field, we're all on the same page, is extremely difficult. And I think the biggest problem in South Africa with the transformation program is the fact that the people trying to implement it and the people who, who look at it and point fingers and say it's not working there and it's not doing this and it's not doing enough have never sat in a change or gone into a field where they've been labeled as something other than just a cricketer. You know, Timber has made headlines for the last month because he got dropped. As a cricketer, you understand it because he's been out of form and he's been out of form and he'd admit it. But to, to those who don't play it and just see that the black guy got dropped, they don't understand that. They just see the optics and say the black guy, of course, he's going to be the scapegoat. And I think that's the biggest problem in South Africa. It's very divisive in that sense because it always turns to race as opposed to merit or or, or balance
4: even i suppose being that you sat in those dressing rooms did you did you ever think to yourself as a as a as a sportsman have i been picked as a as a token or or am i here because i'm because i am wanted and because my my talent justifies that And, and if so how does that play with your mind as a as a sports person of course, you know, of course you think, because there's this set target. And in
5: first-class cricket, it's a lot more entrenched. It's a lot more absolute. I mean, South African national teams now have an average over a season, whereas in the first class, it's you must. every you must. game. So
4: just, just to explain what those numbers would look like in a, in a first, say playing for, I don't know, playing for Northern's, Northern Titans or something. What would their first-class team have to look like in terms of its makeup there's two
6: first of all we need to explain there's two levels of first-class cricket there's amateur first-class cricket which is provincial and uh, the the well, we can't call it a target because it's a target for the national team but it's a it's a strict quota at provincial level and that's seven players of color of, wh- of whom three have to be black African at the franchise level which is the professional first-class level then there, it, the, it's six players of colour, of whom two must be uh, uh, three, three I beg your pardon, three, three, three must be three. Uh, black African, and that's every game. And, and you know there there have been stories, that Lingani and I are both aware of, uh, where where a player is injured in the warm-up, and suddenly they can't fulfil that that quota in that game. It's a non-negotiable quota for the national team. So what so what happens under those circumstances? Did, well, what, do they play with 10? I mean, what, how, how do you, the, what no, no, there was, there was one game where they, they literally looked to see, it was a one-day game and they looked to see who, who had turned up to watch and they found a club cricketer, a black club cricketer. Um, and suddenly he was, he was in the team. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it was brutal in, in that sense. Anyway, for the national team, it is measured across all three formats in a calendar year, so that's why South Africa were able to play just Kahisa Rabada's sole black African and only put four players of colour in the first two tests.
4: Yeah, interesting. I mean, it's it, it's a it's something that's a, an anathema, I suppose, to to countries who have not gone through um, the uh, the huge upheavals that that a country like South Africa has since since the early nineties. I mean, I suppose that the whole thing is absolutely necessary it's kind of it's incredibly hard to implement but otherwise how else do you kind of um rebalance what was what was an incredibly imbalanced system
5: well you know mike atherton said an interesting thing in commentary the other day where he said you know bowling is something that's quite instinctive which is why we've seen a lot of black bowlers come through in south africa in in, in most senses you just pick up a ball and you run in and you can bowl on Sand, you can bowl on tar, you can bowl against the wall. But the biggest challenge to transformation, and a lot of people are saying, We're the black batsmen. In order to be a batsman, as you would know, there's hours and hours of practice on proper facilities with bowlers, and it's, it, there's a lot more that needs to go behind that. And the biggest challenge of transformation is the fact that most of this pool that we're trying to tap into go to schools that just don't even have sports fields to begin with. So, how do you train black batsmen when they don't even have a place? To train, to try and get to that place where they're even nearly on an equal playing field with a, an Ab de Villiers or Francois Duplessis growing up. So already you start on the back foot.
4: So I mean, I know a lot of um, South African first-class and Test match cricketers come through p- the private schools. Is it private or public? What do you call private. Private school system. Okay. Um, Scholarship. Scholarships. Yeah. Okay. So that's so that, that's where I'm leading to. Really, how much how much help is there for uh, potentially potentially excellent Oh, black African batsmen to, to get scholarships to go to these schools so they have the time and they have the facilities to to, to go on and and play and represent the, the South African team on
5: merit. Well, that's been the path, uh, Mark, for for every South African black player who's come through and played for the national team. And it's not a coincidence. You know, you go to the school, they've got better facilities. They've got people who are going to push you at training every day to be better and better and better. So, of course, you're going to improve exponentially. And until there are more of those facilities in townships, you're always going to need to almost uproot that player and take them to a private school where they can then accelerate their progress in order to get into the amateur system and the franchise system and then ultimately become a national player option.
4: I know Gary Kirsten was doing some, some good work um, in terms of trying to provide nets and, and, and coaching um, around the townships to try and to try and help unearth some uh, some gems um, is it should it be down to individuals former players to, to sort of to organize that is there a, is there a problem in terms of uh, the uh, the distribution of funds from cricket South Africa to kind of to, to, to make more of an effort to make that ubiquitous around around the state well the newly installed
5: director of cricket Graham Smith said just two days ago that they've realised the hundreds of millions that have been spent previous, even the last couple of years, are just not providing the returns that they should be. So they need to look at another way, maybe get more scouts going and, and become, you know, really nitpick. Instead of saying, we're just going to do this umbrella and throw money at the problem, you've got to start throwing expertise at it and and, and and start getting those players identifying them much earlier. Because at the moment, you're spending hundreds of millions, so it looks good on paper. But when you get to where you start picking players and and identifying actual talent they're still not where they need to be because they've not got the specialized training and it is a very specialized thing betting the the problem i think that cricket south africa have and i
6: have been saying this for for 15 years is that they throw a wall of money across the country at, at, at and treat every city region province equally and there is a strong culture of cricket amongst the black population in the eastern cape that goes back over a century it's in the blood you know this kind of nonsense that oh there's no cricket culture well there might not be in the free state blumfontein amongst the 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 black communities but there is in the eastern cape and cricket south africa have, have felt the moral obligation to throw as much money at at every region of the country and It's frustrating because that's not the way the world works. I mean, you know, there are certain cities in in Pakistan where hockey is far more popular than cricket. And, you know, the one that you and I chatted over at dinner, Butch, the other day, I I think it's Rio de Janeiro, which has, like, three times as many registered beach volleyballers as it does football players, and that's Brazil. So, you know, the idea that we can... can, um, Create an entire nation of, of cricketers in you know across the country. The land is crazy, uh, and I've also been saying why, why not take a fraction of that massive budget and and give it to the 50 private schools with. Langani said they've got very good, very good facilities. They've got brilliant facilities. That they, you know they put sort of county. They compare favourably with counties easily. Magnificent facilities. Why not say right? We want you to to have. Ten more places for scholarships, but then it was interesting because I spoke to, Lunga, uh, to uh, Lungi Ngidi, who went to Hilton College, which is one of the most illustrious private schools in the country. Magnificent, absolutely magnificent facilities, and and not just for cricket, obviously, because you know Lungi came out and, and, and with a brilliant education as well, and so many more life options than he would have had. But his his point is you give five or six more scholarships then you're only providing five or six more opportunities he doesn't want boys to be taken from disadvantaged backgrounds and put into private he wants cricket to go into the townships to provide opportunities for everybody and you know that's that's ambitious and that's what cricket South Africa have been trying to do and it's been failing
1: Big thanks to Lungani Zama there and also Mark Butcher and Neil Manthorpe that brings us to the end of today's show but we'll be back tomorrow um, ahead of the first warm-up game This takes place on the 31st of January, so don't go anywhere for that. You'll be able to hear updates on TalkSport and TalkSport 2 across um, both days of those warm-up matches ahead of the limited over series, which gets underway on the 3rd of February. Thanks for listening to the following on podcast. Subscribe and review on Acast, iTunes or Spotify.